There we go. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, make sure we get that song next week on the schedule. Since Scott's not here today, will not be here next week, we need to make sure that we remember that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Okay. Amen. Gotta have that. It's good to have everyone here today, uh, whether you're with us in person or whether you're joining with us on the live stream. We're glad to have you here. Uh, we consider you our neighbor. Okay. Uh, you might have guessed we have a special theme this morning, uh, the idea of, will you be my neighbor? I think, yeah, still up there, still got the picture up there. Most of you probably recognize that, so I didn't know the picture was going to be up there, so I was going to ask you if you knew who Fred McFeely uh, Rogers was. Uh, it's Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was on, uh, on for 33 years, I believe it was, between 1968 in 2001, one of the longest running uh, television shows. It was very, um, very unique, very special. It was very groundbreaking because this was one of the first shows that ever, uh, one of the first series that ever actually dealt with issues such as um, death, sibling rivalry, school enrollment, uh, divorce, uh, physical ailments on a child's level. Uh, those were things that you just didn't really talk about, particularly with children. And Mr. Rogers did such a phenomenal job. I do want to clarify one thing, despite what you may have heard or may actually find on the internet sometime. Mr. Rogers was never a, a sniper. <laughs> he was not a Navy SEAL, despite what some reports have him down as. Uh, but he was a Presbyterian minister and a very spiritual man and very, very committed to the idea that we need to be neighbors. We need to be neighborly, we need to be looking for neighbors, and we need to be neighbors. So I started looking at this and I thought, well, you know, what does the Bible say about neighbors? Did you realize that in the Bible, 26 of the books refer to neighbors, how to treat them, who they are. The term neighbor or neighborly or some form or fashion is used over 100 times in the Bible. I don't know if you happen to notice this, but on the cover of your bulletin, right down here, it says community with our neighbors. So this, this is a good topic for us to be talking about. Who is our neighbors? Um, the question that this uh, gentleman asked of Jesus and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You know the rest of the story. This is what we would probably refer to as the Good Samaritan, where Jesus tells the story of, of the man who was beaten and robbed and laid beside the road. And there was a um, Levite, uh, there was a priest and a Levite who came by. They looked at the gentleman and proceeded to walk by. But yet a Samaritan came by who really wasn't even supposed to have any dealings with another Jewish person, uh, with a Jewish person, not another, but a Jewish person, and he actually took the time to stop, to kind of dress his wounds, put him on his own donkey, take him into town, make sure that he had a place to stay for the night, 
and then proceeded to tell the end maker, okay, if the bill gets a little bit over line, if it's more than what I've left you here, I'll be back and I'll, I'll pick up the tab. And I love it. I told this story in class uh, a couple months ago, and uh, Danny Benefield brought up a great point, which I want to, Danny's not here, I don't see him, but I want to make sure he gets credit for this because it, it's a great, great thought. I think the innkeeper needs to get some credit too. I think the innkeeper needs to get some credit for being a good neighbor because he stood good for uh, what the Samaritan had left in his charge. If the Samaritan never came back, he was going to have to eat the bill himself. So he trusted a Samaritan, a Jew trusting a Samaritan. Interesting concept. Interesting concept. I want to tell you a story this morning, and I was hoping she would be here, but she's not. Uh, or at least I don't see her. But I want to tell you a story, a parable if you would, and I will call the person in the story Ronette, because that's her name. Ronette is a relatively new member here. I've known Ronette for well over, a little over a year, I guess it is. I'm working together with her over at the Christian Service Center. And uh, Ronette is a very special lady. Some of y'all have heard about the shower lady. Well, that's Ronette. Ronette uh, pulls a trailer with, and she gives showers to the homeless. She doesn't do it. She has a shower available for the homeless people. And she takes it around to their camps or over at the Christian Service Center. Uh, Ronette is one of the most amazing people I have ever met in my life. And Ronette and I are probably far ends of the spectrum as far as personality and background and everything. Um, I carry Ronette's business card. It's from the hood to the cross ministry. That tells you a little bit about Ronette. Uh, she does not have the background that most of us who grew up in the church has. But she blows me away with her spirituality. Let me tell you a story about Ronette. It was about uh, two or three weeks ago on a Wednesday night. She was coming to our Wednesday night Bible study class here at the building. And she lives over in South Oklahoma City. She normally comes down Western. And for some reason, she said she had absolutely no idea why. After talking, I think we kind of figured out why. Uh, she came down Walker. And her son was sitting in the car next to her and said, Mom, said, why are you on Walker? She said, oh. I don't know, wasn't thinking, and as she drove past, you know the little library over here on, on Walker between, before you get to 74th? As she drove by that, she looked over and she saw something, and then she looked back and she said, Justin, she said, was that a woman with a baby? And Justin, like most men, <laughs> said, what, where, what are you talking about? And she said, over there sitting in front of the library, sitting up, up against the wall, there was, a, there was somebody sitting there, looked like a, a woman, and she had a backpack or something on her chest. Well, Ronette is the type of person who, if she sees something, she doesn't have good sense to walk away from it, okay? And that's sarcasm, please understand. Ronette's heart is bigger than this auditorium, so she turned around and she goes right back. She goes over... And it's a, a young woman who is out on the streets because she's lost her. She has no place to live. She's out on the street with a three-month-old baby. And that's a three-month-old baby on her chest. 
Ronette said, that ain't happening in my world. <laughs> Ronette loaded her up, made sure she had plenty of food for the baby and for her, called some of her friends, put her in a room in a hotel right over in South Oklahoma City for at least five or six nights, checked on her two or three times during that time frame, uh, and just... The story goes on and on and on. If if Ronette was here, she could probably tell it within maybe 30 minutes. Uh, But I'm I'm giving you the Reader's Digest condensed version of it. And when she was telling me this story, and I was thinking, okay, that's basically the 21st century Good Samaritan. One of the first things that crossed my mind is I wanted to know what happened with this young woman. I wanted to know what happened with her and her baby. Okay, where are they now? I checked back with Ronette. I texted back and forth. Yes, I know how to text. Uh, I texted back and forth, actually talked to her on the phone. Okay, how's this, how's this girl doing? How is she? Well, how's the baby? What do we need? What do we, uh, Ronette called some of her friends, and she said immediately she had plenty of clothes for her. She got food for her. She got room for her. She said, but beyond that, I don't know. And I was frustrated because I didn't know. And then it hit me. We don't know what happened to this man who was beat up and left by the side of the road. The story doesn't tell us, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Did he learn about Jesus? Did he become a Christian? Uh, It's kind of the same boat that we get into in Acts chapter 8, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. That's a weird story to me because, number one, Philip didn't have time to prepare a really good sermon because we all know that it takes several days and you've got to have three points to have a good sermon and, and you've got to have two songs and a prayer and all this kind of stuff. There was no structure whatsoever like that. And somehow, Philip's presentation caused this man to be converted like that. And then the weird part is the Spirit called him away and they were separated and we don't know what happened to him. You see, in my mind, and probably maybe some of even yours, we tend to focus on the consequence, not the action. And for some reason, for some of us, that keeps us from doing what we need to do is because, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And please understand, I'm not advocating giving somebody money so they can go out and buy drugs. Uh, Yeah, or alcohol or whatever. I don't want them to misuse the money, but... Why is it that we try to figure out, well, will this actually be beneficial if I help this person? Or, uh, and we play the game in our head, and maybe we're not being the neighbor that God is calling us to be. The The neighbor, in this case, the one that showed mercy, There's no record of him saying, okay, now let's do a blood test to make sure you're a good guy and make sure that uh, you didn't get yourself into a bad drug deal. Uh, He he didn't play that game. He just said, here's a man in need. I will provide for him. After, After Ronette told me this story the third time, I, I asked her, I, I, 
because I used to, over at Southeast where we used to attend, I used to be involved in the benevolence ministry. And I know this is always one of the big concerns that comes up in benevolence. You don't know how they're going to use the money. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And you're absolutely correct. So I just asked Ronette, I said, Ronette, have you ever been taken advantage of? And she said, duh. (laughs) Yeah. Probably more times than not. I don't know how things turn out. And for some of us, that keeps us from doing what we need to do to be the neighbor. I am going to pay homage to Brian Simmons this morning. Isn't he a phenomenal speaker? Isn't Brian a phenomenal? I'd love to listen to him. I'm going to pay homage to him today. I'm going to, number one, I'm going to try to keep it short because he does a phenomenal job of that. But the other part is, I love the way he, he puts the emphasis on certain statements and how they're used. And so today we're going to do three quick questions. Hopefully it won't take too terribly long. But the other thing I wanted to share before we get to that is I was recently told about a book called, it's called Brain Rules by John Medina. I haven't read it, so I'm not going to completely endorse it. But so far, what I've read is pretty good. And one of the great things he talks about in there is that people lose interest after 10 minutes. He said, so at 9 minutes and 59 seconds, you better do something or you just lost your audience. (laughs) So, actually, the staff... Ask me if I would do this from the very beginning. Probably sit down and change my shoes and do all of that. But um, I think he buttoned it up. I didn't watch it a whole lot. It's a good show. Good show. Would you be my neighbor? There's a difference in saying, Tyus, would you be my neighbor? Would you be my neighbor? And in, in, in an inviting sense, wouldn't that be neat to somebody have you invite you to be their neighbor? Recently, we've been studying the book of Romans in our Wednesday night Bible study. And in chapter 13 of Romans, just this last week, we came across these passages that for some reason seem to fit. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Would you be my neighbor? Inviting. Do you hear the love in that? Do you hear the concern? Do you hear somebody, especially, I I, I recently heard somebody say, love is not a noun, love is a verb. Okay? Love is a verb. It has to be expressed. It's kind of like a a lion in a cage. Uh, It's going to pant and pace and walk back and forth. back. It needs to be let loose. It needs to run free. Love requires being free. Would you be my neighbor? 
And here's the one that I have a hard, hard, hard time with. Titus, would you be my neighbor? Is it you? Would you be the one? If you've ever worked with people on the street, if you've ever worked with people who are really in difficult situations, look at their eyes. That's what they're asking. Is it you? Would you be my neighbor? Would you be the one who is willing to take the time to see me as a person instead as an obligation or some good deed? Oh, I gave to the poor. I'm a good neighbor. Do you see me? Would you be my neighbor? I've looking, been looking for a neighbor for so long. People came to Jesus. It says in uh, Luke chapter 7, the blind receives sight. This, this is, I almost lost this point. This is when John's disciples sent them, uh, John sent his disciples to Jesus and said, ask him if he is the one or if we should be waiting for someone else. And Jesus' response to them was, tell John that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Their needs were met. They didn't come to a building to hear a sermon. They came to somebody who would see them and see their needs and respond. Would you be my neighbor? I've been looking for one. Is it you? And then finally, What if it was Jesus asking this question of you? Would you be my neighbor? Would you join me? I'm recruiting neighbors. Would you join me and be my neighbor? Could you turn that down? Of course not. Of course not. I'm beginning to wonder, maybe the good deeds that we do in life, however many or however few they may be, I'm beginning to wonder if maybe the point isn't that I help this person, but I change me. Maybe that's the whole point in the first place. Did we lose that? Maybe that's the point in the first place. It's not so much whether that person is great has greatly benefited, but I should be altered. Let me give you some other passages to think about. In the book of Roman, uh, excuse me, in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 31 through 35, to what then shall I compare the men of this generation, and what are they like? They're like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another and they say, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no, eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he is a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, behold, a gluttonous man, a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Why are we so quick to judge? Why are we so quick to judge 
I'll have, I'm just going to be honest with you. The first time I, I thought, saw Ronette, she scared me. She scared me because she didn't look like me. And she's very outspoken. And she's very confident. And she will wade into a conflict just like that. She's lived in the hood. And she scared me at first. And I'll have to admit, I judged her. I thought, okay, this is going to be an interesting thing to experience. And you know what? It was. Because I have changed more in the past year being around Ronette and a couple of the other people of the Christian Service Center than I have ever in my entire life. Again, back to the book of Luke, and we're just about through. So, Brian, if you're watching this, I'm trying. I'm really, 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 really trying. Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, and that's the thing, I say to you who hear, are you listening? Are you really listening? Love your enemies. Okay, now if I help this person, if this guy is my neighbor, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, and if I help him, will it turn out good? Will this be, will this be easy? Well, probably not if he's your enemy, and Jesus said, love those guys too. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone. Give to everyone. Give to everyone. That's a repetition. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as you want men to treat you, treat them in the same way. Why? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For sinners do the same thing. And if you lend, blah, blah, blah. But verse 35... But love your enemies, do good, lend expecting nothing in return. Here's the part. And your reward will be great. Is that heaven? I hope so. I, I, I hope so. But that might be earth too. Your reward will be great. And here is the part. Listen to this. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. The older I get, the more I'm like my dad, <laughs> which annoyed the daylights out of the 20 year old white that that would ever happen. But right now, I want to be like my dad. But even more, I want to be a son of the Most High. So God, whatever it takes to get through my thick little skull, to show me what it's like to be merciful, 
Whatever I have to sacrifice, whatever I have to give, help me find a neighbor. Help me find someone who's looking for a neighbor. Help me be a neighbor to Jesus. Jesus says some really nasty things in, in, in his scriptures. Some of the things that I wish he didn't say. And this is one of them. Verse 36. Be merciful. Got you there. I'm, I'm merciful. Just as your father is merciful. Oh, that merciful. That merciful. What is God calling you to today? What is he calling me? Forget what he's calling you. Um, I got to look at it from my point of view. You, you look at it from your point of view. What is God calling you today? Is God calling you to drive down South Walker when you should be going down Southwestern? Is God calling you to go over to this, this dirty, stinky person who probably is going to be dirty, stinky, and just as rotten after you get through helping them? Uh, what is God calling you to? What is God wanting to make you into? Son of God? I hope so. We're going to offer an invitation at this time. And again, let's put this invitation in the form of a question, but again... Jesus is asking the question. And he looks at you and says, will you be my neighbor? Jesus is asking us to join him. Will you go there with him? Because Jesus went down dark alleys and he went in places where most of us would rather not go. Will you go with him? Think about that. And respond. If you need to come forward, we have uh, men and women down front. We have people in the foyer. If you want more privacy, if you, if you want to be baptized, if you want to study, if you want prayers, whatever you want. Are you looking for a neighbor? Well, we want to be your neighbor. And more importantly, Jesus wants to be your neighbor. Come while we stand and sing.